Okay, we're recording. Um, welcome to another another edition of. Uh, we still haven't settled on a name. Um, we'll have to have to think have to think a little bit more about that. Um, but kind of a weekly sermon talk back um, recap here, 20 or 30 minutes here where we just sort of discuss what it was that happened over weekend, the weekend worship and, um, and try to dig a little bit deeper into the ways that these texts and things are challenging us um, as leaders at, at Cordova Naz and then, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully see the ways that they're pressing you into deeper discipleship and as a, as a Christian. So, so last week's text, yesterday's text were, I'm testing you. Cody. Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, me. Isaiah, Isaiah. Jeff. I, we got to do introductions here. So I'm pastor Jeff and you are. Pastor Cody. Pastor Cody. That... All right. Good. All right. Good to meet Did you. I get the right answer. Yep. Final answer. So um, what was the text yesterday? Yeah. Uh, Isaiah 42. Um, Isaiah 42, 1 through 9, Acts 10, 34 through 38. And then the, the gospel text was Mark 1, 7 to 11, where Jesus um, is baptized in the Jordan by John, um, his cousin. Yeah. So, um, so uh, really, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just a, quite, a, quite an important, significant, lovely text. It, it's obviously um, very much tuned to uh, yesterday, as you said. It's, that Sunday is designated um, to be the baptism of our Lord. Now, one of the questions, perhaps, um, that one could ask um, and, and hear a little bit of your reflection on is listening to the sermon yesterday, um, how and why, um, when you are, when, when we're getting ready for public worship and um, trying to come to be able to hear uh, the word of the Lord speaking to us, um, how and why or when do you kind of contemporary current events figure into that? Yesterday, it felt like there was a, a, a good chunk of it um, that was relating to the events of the past week. Um, yeah. And, and how, how, does that, how does that happen? When does something, when, when is it that the text appropriately addresses it without having to specifically address it? When does it not address it unless you've specifically addressed it? Right. Why is it that yesterday was yesterday versus, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, it will be next week. I mean, maybe next week it will be as, as much as. Yeah, man. I, this is the one of the things I wrestle with the most as a leader, as a preacher. Um, and some of that is probably my own fault. Like I, I kind of have maybe a tendency to pay too much attention to the news. Um, and so then when I stand up and talk in front of people, I want to talk about the things that I've been paying attention to. Um, and that aspect of it, that's that's on me. Um, I mean, I should probably be paying more attention to, um, you know, the our lives at a very local level um, than quote unquote what 
what really matters, um, <laughs> you know, which is how we often think of the stuff that happens on the news. Like that's that's big and that's sort of the big conversation. And so it's, a, it's what everyone cares about. And, um, and the truth is, is that it's not. And so for me, the question is, um, it's, it's not what everyone really cares about. And it's, it's not ultimately what's important just because it's national or international. You know, um, that doesn't make it more important than the things that impact and happen at our sort of local church level. For me, the question is where does it break through to the point where it's, um, it's impacting and affecting um, the lives and the faith of, of our local church? You know, the people that I'm responsible, I'm, I'm not responsible for anyone that was, a, you know, we were talking about the, the attack, the riots, whatever it was um, in DC. Um, and I, I'm not responsible for those people in a, you know, technical sense. Um, I'm not their pastor. And so um, if they want to come to our church, then I may have something to say to them about some of that. But, um, you know, maybe as a private citizen or whatever, however that works out. But I'm responsible for the folks who show up and worship with us, who are members, um, who are just a part of our life together. And, and that's where my focus is. And so the question is, when do the events of the sort of international news break through and, um, and begin to impact the way that we, um, the way that our, as we said yesterday, that our, our souls are informed. Um, and I was thinking, I was actually thinking back because stuff happened on Wednesday and I was driving to school. I teach a class at Bradshaw Christian. So I was driving to school for my class and listening to the radio and I was like, whoa, this is, sounds like a kind of a crazy thing that's going on. What's, what's happening here? Um, and of course it was all just kind of mixed up. And then, so Wednesday and Thursday, as I was in class, I was realizing, man, for these kids, like they're sophomores and juniors in high school, this is kind of like their 9-11 moment. You know, I was a freshman when 9-11 happened, but in, just in terms of being, uh, certainly not the number of people that died, but um, just in terms of it being um, kind of demonstrating a real sea change in the way things were um, from before. And, and it being this kind of moment that, um, that could really shape and change um, somebody's awareness of the world. Um, and I was thinking back to 9-11 and the ways that, uh, the ways that Christian leaders responded after that. And so often, uh, a lot of Christian leaders responded with anger um, and, and with fear and with a, real, um, with a real sense of we need to kill our enemies and not a real clarity of what the gospel was. And so what I was trying to do um, was, was maybe to counter some of that and to give us the right frame for how we should think through these great national, international events. Because the Bible is really concerned with, as much as we talk about separation of church and state and all these things, and, and that's, that sort of has its own conversation, it's kind of a separate thing, but, but the Bible is very interested in the stuff that happens on the national and international scale. Um, so far as it relates to Israel, so far as it relates to the people of God. Um, and, and it's because it, 
it impacts the relationship of God's people um, with their God. And it causes either trust or distrust. It causes, you know, any number of ways that they, that they interact with, with God. The nations around them either become idols that they chase you know, in some cases, they become forces or powers that they put their trust in rather than the Lord. And so I, I think it was, I think it was, it broke through for me because it felt like a real soul shaping moment. Um, it felt like a moment where it's not just a question of who's right or wrong. And it's not even a question of who you vote for or something like that, but it was for me a question of where are your affections here? I mean, if you can't see the wickedness that's present here, then there's a blindness that needs to be addressed because, because it matters how we perceive the kingdom. You know, it matters that we know that the kingdom does not call us to war. The kingdom calls us into into the life of Christ, and it calls us to trust, to trust in Jesus um, enough to know that our life and even our resurrection is in His hands, and we don't have to, we don't have to secure our own future ourselves. And that's not a trite statement. We actually mean that, even in in the very details of our lives. And so that's why I felt like it broke through. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm always reminded uh, as I was listening to that. Um, my mind always, and I don't know, I'm sure there's many of it. I'm sure that you could come up with at least a, a dozen other examples of this, but, um, I immediately turn to, if you, if you don't mind me, um, it, in Luke 13, there's this, there's this moment, in the first chapter says, now there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, Right. So people are coming to Jesus at this point. It's just a weird moment where you have recorded in the Gospels. There's like a here's something going on in Jesus's life in that moment. Like a and people want to find out, what do you think about this, Jesus? I do remember there's a there's a megachurch pastor. His I won't give him by name in part because I'm not sure if I remember correctly which megachurch pastor. <laughs> uh, but when somebody when people go to him and I imagine he does get this a lot being like a church and they'll say, what do you think about this thing? His response is, I don't, <laughs> which I don't know that that's a great one, but he doesn't like getting into uh, the thing. So that's kind of his approach. And this is after Jesus has just talked a little bit about interpreting the present times. So the people come, they ask him, Pilate's done, Pilate was um, very brutal at points uh, as, as a political figure. And so there was a time, this, this was a, a big thing. And I, Jeff, you may know a little bit better exactly what the situation is but i want to say um there was some back and forth going on and Pilate sent soldiers out and they just massacred um they massacred massacred galileans that were somewhere in an act of worship which might also have bordered on uh, a kind of revolutionary stance and i think he was trying to quash it out so jesus then answers the question um, I love that. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. 
or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish. And he tells a parable after that um, about a fig tree and kind of giving it time and giving it one more year to bear fruit. But I, I think about that a lot, I guess, as a litmus test. You know, at, at that time, maybe reverse to the way um, so many of us think now, there's kind of this sense if bad things happen in the world, it's God's judgment being wreaked on those who have those bad things happen. I mean, the Psalms are full of the, the supplications of the psalmist who has bad things happen to them and all the others around them assume bad things are happening to you because you've, you know, you've angered, uh, you've angered and, and incurred God's wrath in a very unique, special way where we all haven't, which is why we don't have bad things happening to us. Um, and, and what I heard when you were doing this is perhaps our tendency at times is, <laughs> is to, um, how can I say, uh, absolve ourselves very quickly um, of, and, and at some level, you know, because we understand the grace of Christ, um, that God does indeed forgive our sins to see um, that, you know, the, the wrath of sin that kind of gets poured out upon the earth is something that we don't really need to pay attention to and that our lives really don't need this kind of contrition and repentance that Jesus speaks to here in this passage, right? What Jesus singles out in this moment um, it is not that the people who've experienced these bad things are somehow so remarkably different than those that are asking the question. It's we all need to repent. And I guess at a certain level, part of what I heard yesterday um, in, in you being able to bring to bear kind of this present situation and circumstances. Um, it's not such, it's not so unique that our culture is kind of caught in the midst of this, yeah, um, frenzy and fury. And it's indicative of the way that all of us um, at some level really need to be living and changing, changing our lives. At a, at a personal, you know, conversion, this is what repentance is. Change the direction in which you're heading. Um, and, and so part of that, I guess, you know, I mean, that is the big message, right, of the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of heaven, of, for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, I guess, is drawn near. Um, so um, that, was, that was a little bit of what I heard. And I, I hope that seems faithful to what you were just saying there um, with yeah. all that. But yeah, no, that, that, that kind of, that played, oh, I'll let you go. <laughs> played a big role in, in what I was hearing. And so as you did that, I mean, obviously it felt like to me, you know, what I was hearing with that. Um, and again, kind of why you bring that up is um, when we see these kinds of, of happenings and events around us, um, and then the reactions to it, which sometimes seem to create as much of a shockwave, um, is we need not just, um, again, an, an absolution of guilt, although absolutely we need that. Um, can't move on unless you can be forgiven, unless there can be redemption, but, but that also perhaps um, an inability to respond um, to the gracious invitation of God. Could you 
where where do you see us at, at, as Cordova sort of in that moment? Um, it's it's a calling that extends beyond you know again it's it's forgiveness, um, it's reconciliation, and then where that's calling us to. Um, how how do you kind of see Cordova in all of this? In all of in all of what the just the the present moment and the community and the culture. Mm. Um, there's it seems like there's part of what you were doing yesterday was saying that there's obviously a calling to sanctification um, that often yeah. gets missed. Yeah. Right. There is a calling to sanctification. And I think probably what I was trying to communicate, um, no, what I, what I was trying to communicate is that so often the way we understand sanctification is negative, right? Like I'm gonna get rid of all the bad stuff in my life um, rather than seeing that really it's, I mean, it's good to get the, rid of the bad stuff in your life in terms of guilt and things, um, but, but that's really only, at most, that's only half the, the thing. Um, really, a, a lot of what we need to do is, and the reason we keep having bad stuff crop up in our life, the reason we keep on sinning um, is because so often we refuse to grow um, in, in those virtues that would be um, that would enable us to not move into that kind of, you know, sin. So faith, hope, love, courage, wisdom, justice, temperance. Um, you know, I think, so as, as Cordova, you know, I, I see some of us getting caught up in, when I talk to some of us, I, I see some of us with a real affection uh, for those who have been in power the last four years. Um, and feeling like we can't be critical, um, you know, and then those same folks I'm sure will be highly critical than, you know, these next coming years with a Democrat in the White House. And so, and, and I see the other way around too. I see people that really are in the exact opposite boat where they're more than happy to just kind of embrace a Democrat. And, um, and then anytime any Republican is in power, they can't see anything good that they've ever done. Um, and, and the problem there for me is like, if we have kingdom eyes, right? Like if we have come into this kingdom of God, if we've drawn near, then, then we ought to be able to see our politics maybe a little more clearly um, and with a bit more, more of a sense of how, of how the Lord sees it, um, which which is not necessarily, um, it's not the way we see it. And so I think that there needs to be, there needs to be a better eye for that because I mean, for me, if we can't, and, and I understand again, those things are big and far away and um, kind of on a national scale. And so oftentimes it's hard to discern what's really going on, but, but sometimes things are pretty clear, you know? And if we can't discern where there's some pretty bad stuff when it's pretty clear, then how are we going to be able to discern in our own lives, um, 
you know, where we have so many justifications, we have so many ways of sort of wriggling out of the judgment of God. Um, and, and that's what I, I, that's what I hope we're able to do. You know, I hope we're able to get to a point where, where we really do and we can, uh, we can see ourselves clearly. Um, and that enables us to see our neighbors clearly. So, so it's, it's ultimately, it comes down to that. I mean, it's, it comes down to being able to love our neighbors. Um, and, and to do that, we have to be able to see, to see who they are, to see, maybe even imagine why they may, might make some decisions that are impossible for us to understand, you know, um, and yet to, to still be gracious with them, to still open our arms to them, um, and to still be eager uh, to share in this, this life of the kingdom of God together. Um, so, I, yeah. I, basically, part of what I'm saying, I think, here is that Christians should be uncomfortable in this world. Like, the people who are in power, we should never be that comfortable with them. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, and, and until we're consistently and regularly uncomfortable with, with people who run the show, um, we're going to be miss, missing something very important about our, about our Christian witness. So I hope that we, I hope that we get to that point. And that's, that's why I thought it was important for us to, um, to maybe address some of it yesterday. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, and, and that's actually helping me, I, I think a little bit, you know, here's, is, is kind of a personal response. I think, and I, we've talked a little bit about this other times, uh, not necessarily on this, this podcast, but, um, you know, it's, it's my own um, wrestling oftentimes with, um, there's, there's kind of this, you know, we are accountable and responsible as, as a people, as a community, whatever way we've been tied or citizens, we've been bound together, uh, to work towards a common good. It's not total passivity, right? Um, I was taken yesterday, um, again, uh, Pastor Jeff has helped me to expand um, some of my own, uh, I think, uh, desire to be uh, united with the great tradition of the church. And one of the things that it does, it's called the Great Litany, and it's just a kind of a long prayer that happens sometimes in those daily offices Pastor Jeff does on Saturday evening. And it actually mentions the president by name and knows that I'm uh, part of the US. It's the only authority that's mentioned. I mean, it mentions all those in authority, but it mentions who the name of the president. So just thinking that that'll be switching in a week and a half. But right now, uh, the Great Litany urges you to pray for Donald Trump. And, and just kind of there being this insistence of, uh, again, talking about a kind of support which is a support of prayer. It's the support that God's will will be done, um, but a willingness to do that, not just say uh, vaguely generally at some time in my life, I wanted God to do things for authority. There's this kind of continued repetition of it. And then also the desire for me too. Um, but uh, I mean, you're absolutely right also. And in, in that somehow um, there's, there's a very strong conviction um, yeah, this, 
that this world is not our home and, and that God will, God will be faithful. Um, you know, no matter, no matter what the, I mean, this is really the, you know, do not fear, do not have anxiety. Maybe that's what I was, if there's something I hone in on because you get all this depending on who's in power and it does affect our lives. There, there will be differences. Um, and, and that may mean greater freedom the way whatever I want to determine or less so it might be more restrictions. There might be greater means that I have are available to me and, or less means. Um, but really the promise of scripture and the promise of the gospel is, is that whatever fluctuations there are, though those fluctuations will be real and I work towards good one. I can always, uh, I can always depend on, rely on, trust on, have faith and hope in God. Um, and it, and it does seem like, um, part of what the events of this last week, you know, kind of push me towards is, is shattering that reliance for that trust that I really can't when it comes, maybe a little bit, I can trust it, but really the, the wheel of history and time has to be in my hands and I, I need to make sure things turn out okay. And so, um, I felt like that's a little bit what I was, if, if there's something I felt like the sermon was impressing upon me, it's, it's that trust in the future, no matter, um, no matter what's there. And then also uh, a kind of working towards at the same time, um, in a peaceful and a confident and an assured sort of way, um, that I can indeed have, a, I can participate in the will of God, which is the good of all that God has made. So, um, is there, is there anything else that, that you kind of wanted to return to hit on, uh, comment on, uh, in any way, um, um develop here? Well, I don't know if it's, if it's any of that, I think, um, I think one of the things that might be worth commenting on um, is this kind of question of, you know, what, because, you know, Sunday should not just be like political reflections of <laughs> the person who's paid to be there or whatever, you know? Um, and sometimes that's what it does become. It becomes kind of a personal, a personal soapbox. And so um, I, I just think, I think one of the things that we're mandated to do as Christians is to keep the poor at the center of our, um, the center of our, our hearts and our minds. Um, and that should, you know, however that directs you, you know, that should shape how we vote, that should shape how we engage in our civic process. Uh, we shouldn't simply be voting for our own good, um, but but we should be thinking about the common good of the whole community. And um, I don't know, I guess I'm wondering, or I'm just kind of trying to wrestle with the extent to which we we engage in those things. We're so used to having a distance between our pulpit and politics in the United States. And, you know, that was that just has not been the case um, throughout Christian history. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, I could give lots of examples um, where people that we think of as wonderful saints 
um, engaged in behavior that we would have just been like, oh no, you're basically like, you know, you're advocating for a particular policy um, from the pulpit on a on a big Sunday, you know, feast day kind of thing. That's so weird. Um, but but the hope is, you know, and what I think that kind of preaching is trying to do is help us to have our imaginations of the world transformed and reformed and um, informed again uh, by the Lord. Um, and so it's not to, it's not the, when it brings the church into the service of politics, that's a big problem. Um, but when it's saying, Lord, I want to submit all that I am to you. And part of what I am is a, you know, I'm a political person. I live in a city, a county, a state, a nation. And that means that I have some, especially in a democracy, that means that I have some sort of engagement in those things. And so um, because we're about the sanctification of the whole person, you know, these are things we engage in from time to time. So it's, I hope that people hear that and anything that I ever say that is connected to those things uh, from the pulpit, that it's more, I, I want to see people fully submitted to Christ, including their political self, because the most dangerous thing is we can, we can do is to separate out our politics and say, well, that's not really, that's not my faith. So it's, it's kind of this other thing. And Jesus doesn't really have a say over that. No, <laughs> Jesus has a say over all of who you are. Um, and, and the more that you knowingly bring to him, the better off you'll be. Um, so I don't know. Those are maybe some of my reflections, but I appreciate, I appreciate what you had to say there. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially thinking, well, about, thinking about the tower of Siloam and the, yeah yeah yeah, the, the, yeah that's such an it's such an interesting moment in the gospels um, um yeah no i well it's been it's been good it's been good and thank you for inviting me i know one of these times we'll we'll maybe even get another guest on here uh, i know that's the goal so if you're listening to this we really we really don't just want to have us talking to each other um we would love to have, we'd love to have, um, you know, all of you folks from the church here responding. So um, know that that invitation may be coming here. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining us on uh, this unnamed portion of the Cordova Naz 3520 Bradshaw podcast um, <laughs> where we reflect on um, and and hope to sort of deepen the work that God is doing on a Sunday morning. So uh, grace and peace to you friends and we hope to see you soon. Bye.